0: Hey, uh, I need to, before we dive in this morning, I'm going to give you a a pastoral, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that, but like just a thought. How many of you have been to a game, uh, a Packer game, ever? There you go. So pretty much almost everybody in here that can walk. Uh, So there's that moment at which they put on the big screens, uh, it's usually a third down, it's usually opposing teams third down, and it says what? Make noise, right? And you kind of know that's your cue. Uh, every week we gather here, and there's a reason we begin with music. Uh, it's, it's something to do with us beginning to practice uh, that placing our hearts before God, but it's singing these anthems. Can I, can I give you permission? That's probably how I need to say it you should make noise. That's like when the, when the words come on the screen for us to be singing is the time for you to make noise. I mean, I need to affirm you, you're so well behaved, really. You guys are amazing. You're really orderly. All oh, that's really good. We're singing lyrics to stuff that, uh, about a holy God. That's where you shout. That's where you give it up and you, you give God glory. Can I just encourage you as a church? Like, I feel sometimes we're so well-behaved, like, it's kind of boring. In the midst of singing, you are a holy God. I mean, there should be shouts. There should be, it's make noise. The jumbotron is on in heaven saying, now the time to make noise, right? Anyway, is that good enough? Um, and, and don't you love our music team? Isn't that a great job? Yeah. Okay. Everybody needs a paint chip, Um, so if there's nobody sitting next to you, steal one. Uh, Does everybody have one? If somebody doesn't have one, raise your hand. Somebody doesn't have one? Uh, Jeff, will you grab those right there and go be like this amazing sermon over there? There's a whole section of people that don't have them. If you have an extra one, pass it to them. Uh, We have a couple over here. So if you don't have one, raise your hand. Like, if you don't have one, you're going to be left out. You're going to be lost this whole service. You're going to feel that sense of meaninglessness. Uh, Keep your hand up. Somebody pass those out to there. Hands high. There you go. Does everybody have a paint chip? We're good. Somebody in the very back that's standing doesn't have a seat in the very back there. You don't have one, right? There's a few people in the back row there. Jeff, you see them? All in the back row there. There you go. So we're good. Okay, wasn't the video in the beginning amazing? Here's Paul Smith that for all visible purposes or, or as much as we can gather, would probably be evaluated as having nothing to offer, right? I'm not. I'm not discounting disability and all that, but just from a standpoint of offering something to the greater world, uh, we would have no idea. And yet, he. What does he say? What does it take? One finger. What if Paul Smith didn't do that? Let's even take it further. What if. What if the Wright brothers didn't spend countless hours with crazy inventions to trying to fly. What if they didn't put that time and effort in? What if Rembrandt did not spend canvas after canvas that I'm sure he threw away, did not put brush to canvas? What if Mozart, Bach, some of the great musicians of the time did not use the gift that they've been given? What if people who gathered around the name of Jesus Christ and celebrated the uniqueness of who they were in Christ and that they knew that God had given them its special, unique, creative gifts, gifts that would be such a blessing to the body, what if they didn't use them? You see, that's where we're going to land this morning in 1 Corinthians 12. A picture of the early church where they're divided They're they're arguing, they're in disarray and Paul is going to say, hey wait, you've been created uniquely by this God and you have something that you're supposed to put into play. You have something that you're supposed to put in the mix. You have a color, a paint chip and you're to use that, you're to paint that color. We've been in this series called I Am Community. The reason we've been in this series is because there seems to be a cultural disconnect with our world today. That disconnect is that there's this idea we can, we can come into rooms like this and we can say that we're Christians, that we're Christ followers. And yet we can then choose whether or not we're going to be a part of a community or not. And nowhere in the Bible is that consistent. That once you become a Christ follower, you are the body of Christ. And so we've tacked this series on, and so a couple weeks ago, we started with remember your past. When When we dive in to surrendering our lives to Christ, we begin to reflect on the past. And Jesus says, at the Last Supper, I want you to take this cup and this bread, and I want you to break it often, and I want you to remember me, he says. Another way to say that for us is that we have this great sacrament of Communion, that we get to reflect back on what God's great gift to us is. It's important that we stand on that foundation as a church body. It's why we sing around those songs. It's why we read from a book that gives uh, the story of a God that would do such a thing. And that's why we remember our past. And so the gathering of believers every week is to remind us because we forget, don't you? We do. I do. Forget what this is all about. But then we said last week, which we had this big canoe up there, that, that part of our faith, as we step into, we use the metaphor of a canoe, we step into our faith is you paddle. It's just known. It's, there's, there's no difference of being a Christian and then deciding to paddle or not. You paddle. And the early church knew that that's just part of what it meant to step in. You stepped in and then you gathered Right? Or gathered around breaking of bread, the, the Lord's Supper or communion. You gathered around fellowship. You gra- gather around teaching and, and putting yourself underneath some teaching, whether in small groups or big groups. And you, you gathered around prayer. That was what the early church did, and it, it is no different today that men and women that gather around the name of Christ and remember what he did gather for that. That's their paddling. They also, though, gave themselves, and so they, their paddling looked like giving, not just gathering, but giving. Bobby just mentioned an aspect of that, whether it's finance, but it also meant they gave their time. I think it's interesting today that we can measure church based on a message on Sunday morning and give nothing to it the rest of the week. God said, no, they, they gave of themselves in their time. In fact, it said that they gave daily. They were gathering all the time, as much as they possibly could. May I instruct you and tell you very clearly that giving your life to Jesus Christ means you're going to sacrifice time, a lot of it. And they also gathered around their own gifts. They gathered around and gave their gifts, and they gave them to one another. And that lands us to where we're at this morning. But just for review's sake, I want to make sure that you understand that being in means you know Jesus Christ and that it just equates that you're paddling, that you're gathering and giving. You're gathering and giving around this body. This morning, though, I want to take that paddling to a little bit different level, and that is I want you to see this paint ship that you have, and they're all unique. There's no color the same. And that's how we're represented, as Bobby said in the beginning here, that this morning we have been uniquely shaped and formed by the creator of the universe. And I want you to to hear now Paul address this church in Corinth. The church in Corinth was divided. And you know how they were divided? They were arguing about who to follow. I follow this pastor. I follow this teacher. No different than today. I've met with... Uh, pastors from our city, and for some reason, God is allowing us favor to be a place where pastors are starting to gather in Northeast Wisconsin. And so, we're we're trying to break down the walls of division. I remember I met with Sean this week, Sean Hennessy, and Jack Wera, and we'll talk about the division. And we'll talk about people that come into our offices and say, "Yeah, I, did, I went to that. I went to that church where that new pastor is." And I, I don't like it. And we'll all, we've all agreed, we're all aligning and saying, time out. It's not allowed here. Division like that is not allowed here. That's what they're doing in the early church. I follow the guy at Spring Lake. I follow the guy at Life Church. I follow the guy at Celebration. I follow the guy at Community. Friends, we follow Jesus Christ. And all of us are unified on that. And whether we may teach it differently, May we have a different understanding or a different insight. And I will be the first to confess that don't get it all right. I just had a fellow come up at the beginning of, of the last, uh, this service. And I just said, you know, the Word of God is never meant to be a textbook. To be studied and then figured out and mastered. It is the living, breathing Spirit of God. When you understand that it's living, and as, as John will say in John 1 you understand that, man, I can read this morning after morning and find new insights that the Spirit is teaching me. It's bottomless. And we will never fully understand the breath, the of God until we reach heaven. And so we this morning get to celebrate around that, and this church in Corinth is struggling with that. The other thing they're struggling with is, I want better gifts. They're starting to see, like, the teachers and the music leaders and the people that are creating or are, are performing miracles or interpreting special languages, they're saying, I want those gifts, and they want those gifts for one main reason, is that we're broken people and long for what? Identity. And they're trying to find those gifts. This morning, you need to hear that we can't produce the gifts we're going to talk about this morning. Paul's going to make that very clear. The spiritual gifts, Galatians chapter 5 says, the, the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You don't produce those things. I've heard people saying, yeah, I'll try. I'm working on joy, my joy level. You know, I've been working on that, a little bit more joy, smiling a little bit more. I'm going to work on my, my kindness or patience. When you step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, invades your life, and your life becomes this new garden that the Spirit of God produces fruit in. And you won't be able to explain it. People will say, you just seem kinder. You just seem more loving. Something's going on. It won't be you on a checklist of reading a new book about how to love better or how to have more joy. It's going to be the Spirit of God in you. So this is where this church is. And so this morning, I want to give you just some insights about the text. We're not going to exposit this word for word. I just want to give you some overall basics. But I want to move into a more of a practical is how do you paint your color in the body of Christ? How do you do that? How do you, if you look at that paint chip, how do you begin to express? Because some of you this morning... Don't even know what that is. I'd love to help, but I'm not good at anything, Troy. Well, we just watched Paul Smith that had a finger hitting a typewriter. And what an amazing thing. So let's dive in. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is addressing the church here, and he says, no, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation or the expression, or it's the realization that you have the Holy Spirit in you for the common good. For the common good of what? For the body of Christ. First observation here about this, what Paul's suggesting the gifts are expressions of and from the Holy Spirit. A different way to look at this means it is assuring everyone else around you that you really are in. Because the gifts, you won't be able to stop to use them. They become something that just starts to get expressed in your life. And they don't come from your effort of being a better Christian. I think so much of today, we, we work ourselves around self-improvement and intellect and knowledge and we, we hear it all over the our culture, is if if you can read about it and study about it, you can do it. Not here. Not in this example. The fruits of the Spirit come solely from God and His Spirit alone, and they are cultivated in a life that's surrendered to Him, and they are, are going to come out. Therefore, now I'm not mad at anybody here, no spouse has called me. I've often had spouses say that I don't know how you're hearing it. Is my spouse calling you and telling you what to talk about? Because they're so convicted. No. No one's called. If the Spirit, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit are not coming out of someone that attends community church, either they don't know God or they are in rebellion against those gifts being produced. There's something going on. Because when the Holy Spirit is cultivating this, you can't help it. Again, if you remove yourself from this idea that you are exercising the gifts of the Spirit, no, you just need to get out of the way. And you begin to see God do something in you. You won't even be able to explain it. So the gifts are expressions of and from the Holy Spirit. Paul will continue now on a list of gifts. Now, let me make clear, in the Bible, there are many gifts listed. Uh, the Bible isn't the exhaustive list for the Holy Spirit. It's like if he, if there's another gift outside of that, it's not legitimate. No, the Spirit just as He chooses. Now, this is where we get into that we are His workmanship. God, as Bobby had said in, in the Ephesians passage, it says in Ephesians 2.10, we are His workmanship. The, the Greek word is poema. It means to, to write a poem. God crafted, when you, before you were born, he started to write this poem. And then you were born, and then he crumpled that up and threw it away to say, never again will that poem be written that way again. I wrote you uniquely for who you are. It's an amazing thing. So he gives a list of gifts specifically to believers. And so there are lists like wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing, distinguishing of spirits, prophecy, tongues. One of my favorites is in the Old Testament. If you read in the Old Testament, God needs to empower the nation of Israel to be able to build the temple. And it says in one of the verses in Exodus, it says that He gives gifts of craftsmanship and artist artistry to those who are going to be carving and painting and sewing all the different things for the temple that's amazing those could be gifts that the spirit gives but look at verse 11 it says but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills this is the second part of it the body is diversified not only are the gifts coming from the spirit they're not something that we exercise and do on our own they're coming from the spirit and they're expressions of the Spirit, but we're also unique. You've been made unique. This has to feel really comforting that you don't have to be like me. Amen? Some uncomfortable chuckles, yeah. You don't have to be. You don't have to be like the priest or the pastor or the music person or the person to the left or right. This removes that sense of I'm not good enough or I'm not gifted enough. You have what you have as God has given that to you and written that into your life. Could you imagine when he was writing the poem knowing Paul Smith would would be born with a disability? Could, Could you imagine the smile on God as he was writing the poem? They have no idea what his one finger will end up doing. He has no idea the, the world has no idea what his finger will impact people all over the world. you know how many people have watched that? Who would have thought? I mean, what if Paul Smith didn't buy the fact that he had a unique gift given to him by God? The body is diversified, and that creates this tapestry or a mosaic of color. And this morning, that paint chip is for you to kind of sit there and and ponder and think about, you have this amazing, as Bobby said, inscribed poem on your life. And it's, it would be a crime for our body not to experience that. Not to be blessed by that. Paul continues on and says in verse 12, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Paul's using this metaphor back and forth, body of Christ, meaning the real body of Christ or the church, but also a body, a church. For by one spirit we we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. The body is diversified, but the body is also unified. This is important. This is important. One of the best gauges for you to know if, if a gift is from God and being used uh, from a spirit that the Holy Spirit is expressing that is that it will bring unity, not disunity. It will not divide. I have found that in moments where there is division, someone who is divisive, and there is a very self-righteous posture about their posture with God and what they're doing for God and when it's dividing the body of Christ no matter what that is even around bad theology friends our Bibles are full of Paul the apostle writing churches saying hey your theology's messed up get it right but it was out of love for restoration not division when a gift is used it brings unity It pulls us together. And gifts that are used to divide in the church, in the city, are not from God. They're being misused and mishandled. And it's important that we understand that this morning because no gift is to create division. Paul continues on and says, and then for the body is not one member but many. And he goes into this this beautiful picture of, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it's Don't compare your part. Your colors are different. Embrace that. And Paul's metaphor of a body, the amazing parts of our our body, all the different ligaments and tendons and bones and, and muscles, all that goes into our body makeup. Paul's painting a metaphor and saying, you are you, be you. In that part. If you're a knee, don't try to be a hand. It won't work well. And so part of this is us leaning into some of that and not knowing fully what that is, but saying, embrace that, don't compare. This early church was beginning to compare. Well, I don't get to speak. I'm I'm gonna try to speak then. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine people that how many of you don't sing well? Just a confession. Just There we go. So we pointed you out. We probably heard you, um, but that's all right. Mark, thanks for that confession. Thank you. So, but it's it's. Can you imagine if we said it's okay if you don't have that gift? Come on up and lead us, right? How would that be? It'd be like in love. You know, all of you, the gift of the encouragement. We'd be going. You did good. You did good. You you got through the words. There's that unity, you know, no disunity. But you, I think sometimes we find ourselves so wanting to do something and it sources more out of us trying to get something for our own self-image. When you discover how God's gifted you and how you can uniquely bring unity and a blessing to the body, you can't help but use that. Paul's saying, don't compare. He goes on and says, now you our Christ body and individually members of it. You have value. You're important. And God's appointed in the church apostles and prophets and teachers and people that do miracles and gifts of healings, helps, administrations. Although All of you who are administrators, raise your hand. You like, like ordering things. Raise your hand. Come on, hi. There's not many in here. That makes me nervous. That's a gift. That's a gift. He says, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers. He's saying, listen, everybody's not the same. All do not have gifts of healing. All do not speak of the gift of tongues. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. Quit longing for special gifts or someone else's. Because when you do that, you say, God, the poem you wrote for me, you got it wrong. I don't think you got this one right. I think you missed apart and I think the friend next to me or the spouse or that person at church has it and that's what I'm trying to get see how messed up that is Paul will then lead into his next chapter and he says I want to show you still more an excellent way and 1 Corinthians 13 is the famous passage of what love he says the greatest gift you want to if you want to pursue a gift pursue love And that brings us to the last observation here, is the gifts should unify us or produce love. You can't help but watch Paul Smith, this guy hitting the the key. And weren't you a little bit kind of wondering? I wonder what his pictures look like. And then you're like, wow. And didn't you just fall in love with him? Didn't that produce in you a love and an appreciation for someone who's been given a gift and they're using it. And even him not being ashamed of who he is. The gifts should produce love. It should unify us around that call. But this morning I want to get practical and I, and I want us to, to recognize this morning that some of you uh, are not in rebellion. Some of you are in and you're just saying, I just, I don't know what I do good. You know, that's kind of the statement. That's what someone will say to me. Why aren't you actively involved in church? I just, I'm not good at anything. Well, we can kind of wipe that away when we see at least it takes one finger, right, to do something. And so I want to embrace a little bit of that, trying to figure it out with you. And so here's some practical steps that I want to give you this morning that I got from a friend that I thought were just really helpful. One, one. You need to know your profile. How many of you, with just confession this morning, and I want a bold confession, I'm, just, I'm not really excited about these like halfway ups. That doesn't count, all right? How many of you have a Facebook account? Raise your hand. There we go. 815 was like super shamed about that or something. I don't know what's going on on Facebook. Okay. How many of you are on LinkedIn? You have a LinkedIn account? Yeah. So interesting about these two types of spaces, these social networking, what's one of the first things you have to do? You set up your profile. In your profile, you have really tough questions like are you male or are you female, right? It's not rocket science. You know, and so you give a profile. Now, LinkedIn has to say you got a little bit, you gotta butter up people, right? You gotta kind of brag about yourself. Here's all the things I've done. I want you to think this morning, if I were to tell you to take the next 20 minutes and write who you are, your profile, as God sees it, what would you write? What would the profile be as God sees you? The the problem this morning that we struggle with is our own flesh and our sin and our humanity, and what we tend to do is we try to, in our own depravity, is we try to make up our own profile. We do that by trying to get. And so let me give you an example. If, if I'm not centered around the profile that God's given me, and I'm up here, I'm trying to speak because I want to get affirmation from people so I'm popular. I want to get you to, th- gosh, you're such, you're the, over over all the other pastors in Green Bay, you are the best. You see how that's, that's getting? We want to shift from becoming getters. In the idea of gifts and how we're to express it in the body of Christ, this is the most important step. Because if you don't understand the profile that God's given you in your life, you come at it with the wrong angle. You're trying to get position, status, title, Uh, value. You try try to grab that from the body. That's why we have a lot of people that church hop and what's their thing? They'll say this, we're just trying to find a church that fits us. Now that's not a bad thing to say but inside we have this flawed part of us trying to get. The body of Christ was built to give. The whole principle, the paradox of scripture is there's this it's full of paradoxes but one is when you're a part of the family of God you instantly become a giver. And what's crazy is when you start to practice that and the spirit drives you to do that, you start to get without even trying to get. You get back, you get filled up. But I want to go a little bit step deeper. Is how do I become a giver and how do I understand my profile Pete this week uh, for our staff, or our our Strat team, led this, and I was so inspired by this picture. It's it's in Psalms 45, and this is the message version of the Bible, but it's it's talking about a daughter at a wedding. It's talking about a girl at a wedding, and I've done a lot of weddings. Listen to these words. Now listen, daughter, don't miss a word. He's saying to her, don't miss what I'm going to tell you right now, could you imagine this dad, looking at his daughter this way and saying, forget your country. Forget your country. Put your home behind you. Be here. The king is wild for you. There's that moment at which I'll be, as the pastor, the bride comes down with her father and I say, who gives this woman to be married to this man today? And the father will say, her mother and I, they embrace, and then there's that moment. The bride is not saying, Dad, i wonder how much I can get out of this guy. I wonder what I'm going to get. You know what she's, the, the, the changes I'm going to give because he's wild for me. And there's something so beautiful about that moment of a bride and groom because they're wild for one another and there's that sitting in that space in that moment now. You know, those of us who are longer married realize it all falls apart after the altar, right? You're like, oh my gosh, we realize how sinful we are. I'm, I'm just being real, right? You did this beautiful moment and then you realize our flesh. But isn't it true in that moment is that picture of heaven? we can rest in that love. When you rest in the reality and the profile, that the God of heaven is wild for you. Doesn't that free you up? Let me illustrate. So for me, the reason I'm free up here, I'm not trying to get from you affirmation. I'm not trying to get from you to like me. I'm not trying to get from you that you agree with me I want to give to you what I love about my father
1: who loves
0: me Boy, I have confidence then I'm not worried about impressing title status that is the base of using your gift of using your color that's the foundation of it and if you don't have that you operate very differently. Then you're, you're looking at titles and positions and how much do I have to fill out? How much is this going to cost me? How many nights a week is this out? When you begin to rest in the profile that the God of heaven is wildly in love with you. And since he is, how are you adoring him? I have no better, I love what I get to do. It costs me a lot of time to study every week. But I do not regret one minute of that because I love to get to do that for our body. Because I know he loves me. Even in my flawedness, that's the place that this profile has to begin. This morning, I'm spending a lot of time in this because if you don't have that, you can't go any further. The second part of this is to discover your passion. To discover your passion, this is really simple, is what gets you fired up? What gets you fired up? For Martin Luther King, it was what if he had not enlightened the passage and, and ignited the fires of racial inequality and just set back. It evoked something in him. It created a passion. What are you passionate about? Injustice? Poverty? Some of you administrators, there is you're evoked to rage, like a righteous rage, when you see what? A messy room or an office, right? Papers all over. What is your passion? Paul does this in Athens in Acts 17. He's he's in Greece, and it says, While Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked. With him as, as he observed the city full of isles, he was. He was finding a stirring. I don't like this. When you have your profile and you know that the God of heaven wildly loves you, you rest in that your image, then you start to identify what gets me fired up. It may not even be what you do for your job. What gets your heart beating like I just I want to do this? That's what you need to begin to discover, and you start to identify that, and it's gonna be unique third part is then you put that to prayer. We're going to hit this idea of prayer again in our next series because we can't do it enough because we've got to be surrendering all this to the Father. When you have a centered profile around the love of God, you know He loves you. He's madly in love with you. You know, when you, you've discovered what fires you up, now you begin to pray that God would use that in some way, shape, or form. It says, with this in mind, Paul's saying to the church in Thessalonica, We consistently pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling, that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. It's starting to put you in places where you get to paint your color. And so it may not be a church position. We may not have a kiosk for it. There may be no such thing about it, but you find that place and time all of a sudden where this is it. It could be at work. It could be at home. It could be that you start something brand new. Tom is, is, a, is a guy that does all the flowers in the front of our church. One day he was provoked, I'm sure, to a point of probably righteous anger of why does that look so bad and hideous in front, Right? And I think we ripped out stuff and we were trying to plan stuff and he caught wind. God gave him this space and moment. This is it. Tom, this is when you're going to get to use that passion. It's something so simple and yet so powerfully profound. What if Tom didn't use his color, his gift? When we do all this, we then find purpose. Tom has a purpose in our body. Greeters that show up here who have been evoked and provoked that they don't want someone walking in here not being greeted, they have purpose. Lots of administrators in our staff office find lots of purpose based on probably my activity of disorderliness. You see what I'm saying? That you find purpose. You find a place. It starts with your profile. It begins then you identifying your passion. Begin to put this to prayer, and God will place you. Wait for his timing as Bobby started and as that team comes up to lead us, it says, for we are God's poema. I created you specifically, individually, so you could be part of a greater whole to bring unity and love and watch the body work. And he created you all along to do great works for the body of Christ. What if You actually did use what the Spirit gave you. I think there wouldn't be room in this service, or the next one, or whatever nights we had to create more services, or whatever would happen, there would not be enough room, because people would catch wind. This morning, you have this opportunity. If you know Christ... The scripture says that you're invited to the table to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, don't do it. It's really blaspheming. It's, it's, it's religious tradition that's empty. If you don't know, if you're not in and surrendering your life to Christ, don't go. It also says don't go, not only if you have some sort of division between you and God and sin, but also between a brother or sister in the body. It says don't go. If you're not embracing the unity of the body of Christ, if you are not practicing that and there's division, don't go. But if you do, he says, then, I want you to go and remember. And when you do that, you're going to have, you have these paint chips. And there's these boards, you'll see some colors from the first service and they're sticky boards. So you're going to have to find your little sticky space. You can overlap them. I don't want you to put those on there for us. This covenant is for you and God if you are committing to know your profile, to begin to identify your passion, to begin to pray, so that you find your purpose here at Community Church. If you're going to do that, stick it on there. It's between you and God. Again, we're not tracking this like knowing whose color was what. But I want you to see a picture of a mosaic. What if we did all use what God gave us? Father in heaven, I pray a heavy, heavy hand of your spirit in these moments. First, when we go to the table, that God, we would remove any sin in our lives. That we would identify any disconnection or disunity or division between brother and sister in this place and outside of it. But God, then I pray that you put a sense of calling and conviction about using how you created us in the body. As we put this color to a board, God, might it represent us beginning that journey. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.